0: The Carleton College Convocation Program is a weekly lecture series that brings fresh insights and perspectives from experts in a variety of fields. The program has a rich history dating back several decades. The selected convocation speakers assist the liberal arts mission of centering thoughtful conversations within education and beyond.
1: My name is Dylan Johnson, I'm a sophomore here at Carleton College, a prospective political science major with a double minor in Africana Studies and Philosophy. It's an honor to stand before you all today to introduce today's convocation speaker, Mayor Jalen Smith. His journey from the small town of Earl, Arkansas to becoming the youngest African American mayor in the United States history embodies the very essence of leadership and resilience. Mayor Smith's dedication to public service was evident early on. While still in high school, he demonstrated remarkable leadership as a president of the Student Government Association, class president, and a member of the family, career, and community leaders of America. His commitment to leadership led him to the presidency of student voice, which has laid a solid foundation for his future in public service. In December, 2022, Mayor Smith's journey took a significant turn when he was elected as the mayor of Earl, Arkansas, marking a significant milestone, not just for Earl, but for the entire country. Mayor Smith's belief that no one is too young to make a difference resonates deeply with our values here at Carlton. As we welcome Mayor Smith to share his insights and experiences, let us be reminded of the impact one individual can make and have on their community and beyond. His story is a reminder that no matter your age, with determination and a clear vision, we can all contribute to making a better world. Please, please join me in extending a warm Carleton College welcome to Mary Jalen Smith.
2: Good morning. How are you all doing this morning? Great, 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 great. I'm very excited to be here um, in Minnesota on today, on this great Friday. I got here yesterday, and it has been lovely here. Um, I love the coldness um, here. It's hot in Arkansas. But I'm very grateful to be in the position that I'm in today. But I want to kind of share that story with you, uh, pretty much how I got where I am and what it, and what it took to get where I am. And number one was faith, my parents, and hard work. I believe that, um, again, you're never too young to make a difference in your community. Because oftentimes we do We graduate graduate high school in our communities and we go somewhere else to be great. And I believe in saving our communities, just like school districts. Without students, there's no school. And same for community. Without the people there, there there's no community because us as leaders don't save the community. The people that stay there do. So I'm going to tell you this story of pretty much how I got where I am. And honestly, I never imagined that I would be sitting or standing before you all today. I never had a, I never had an interest into public service. Well, I did have an interest in public service, but not as far as being into politics, as far as mayor and those different roles my role my dream was to become an arkansas state trooper that's what i wanted to do i wanted to change law enforcement i wanted to change the trajectory of law enforcement i wanted to be the director of the arkansas state police but as growing up when i got to high school um two young two two young individuals asked me to join an organization called student government and when they asked me i said absolutely not but I went home, I looked myself in the mirror and I asked myself, do I believe within me? Because I didn't want to make a commitment to service and I didn't believe in myself. Then I got in a the position, then others didn't believe in, within me as well. And the next, I mean, shortly after I looked myself in the mirror, I went in my room and I got on my knees and I prayed and I asked God to guide me in the direction that he wants me to go into. And that led to why I'm standing today. And the next day, I got involved in the Student Government Association. And once I got involved in the association, really my entire life changed from there because I saw different uh, avenues, different paths, and really had a deeper conversation of why people and why students advocate and why they make a difference and why they did what they did. And I started to want to be more besides being being in student government. When I finished high school, I wanted to be the mayor, the president, the governor, um, a lawyer, a congressman, the whole nine yard. And in order for me to go in those positions or go, to, or go where I wanna go, I have to dress like it. So this suit that I have on, when I was in high school, I wore, I wore suits to school five days a week. And when I got elected, it's just seven, it went to seven days a week. But I believed that where you wanna go, you have to dress like it because uh, being in room with other people, you never know who in the room. So when I went to network, I never know who was in the room. I, I, my, in my mind, it was CEOs, it was doctors, it was lawyers, it was judges, it was the t- district attorneys. But you never know who they are until you approach and you have that conversation. And I believe that so much with doing a lot of network um, with being, in, before becoming mayor, it was starting expanding my network. So I'm people that I don't know, I, I, I love and I have those conversations with them. And then moving from there, um, after wearing suits and doing different things in high school, I was an advocate really for students with learning disabilities. So my colleagues were advocating for other things, but I was advocating for students with learning disabilities because I felt that students with learning disabilities deserve the exact same rights as regular students. But in the school district in the state of Arkansas, they was not giving those students the full benefit that they needed. So. I I mean, I was up late nights advocating. I mean, I went down to the state legislators to the Department of Education to really understand why students are not getting what they need to succeed on to the next level of education. And then um, from there, going into my senior year of high school, um, I was 17. Um, I was not legal to vote yet when I announced my campaign. 17 years old uh, when I announced my campaign. A lot of people took me as a joke like, this kid, I mean, this guy really want I said, yeah. And so I continued to press forward, and I shadowed different people, uh, well, different mayors around the country to really get the experience of how to be a mayor and a public servant. And so when I done that, my this was more, took me more seriously. And then I had some people come down the line and say, well, he's, I'm too young, I don't know anything, or I just graduated high school. But I didn't. I did not allow what people told me negatively to define who I was trying to become at the age of 18. Because understanding that this thing called life, you want gonna have people that talk about you, good good or bad. But for me, people that talk bad about me, is that there are nothing. There are people just keeping me sharper. So people that are positive are good people as well. But people that are negative, I believe that if you don't have nobody talking about you, that mean what? Then what are you doing? And so I believe that so much and. Really, people didn't really think, they thought I was the type of kid that I was gonna really, you know, go off on them, but I didn't. I really understood, I really listened to what they had to say, but I just said thank you and I kept moving because I believe that, again, if you don't have people talking about you or you don't have people in your circle that are being negative towards you, then how can you grow as a person or how can you move to the next level if you don't have people like that in your life? And moving on from there, I ran against four people was, was way older than me. I was just the younger, younger kid in the race, and a lot of old, more older people than me. But the people within my community really wanted to see a change in the community, and I believe that I, if they didn't elect me, that I, my community would continue to still go backwards. They wouldn't even be where it's at right now. And I had those conversations with uh, my senior citizens, my community, and the young people. But the young people were what really got me into office because young people wanted to see change, young people saw opportunity, young people saw potential, and it was all there. But the thing was, you had to elect a person that really was gonna bring that out of the community. And since, I I mean, once I got elected, um, I was elected December 6th of 2022 as mayor to the City of Earl. And when I was elected, my entire life changed. I've been on the Jennifer Hudson show, I've been traveling all across this country to the White House, to the governor's office, pretty much everywhere. But those opportunities are great opportunities to go. But my focus still remain at home, still remain home to really making the change and really bringing driving the difference within the community. Because a lot of people said that it was impossible for a change to happen within my community. My people told me that they want to see a grocery store within my community. And so we brought, a grocery store, we, we brought a grocery store back to the community within my first year of office. And so anything is possible, the only thing we have to do is put our minds to it and understand where we want to go. Because a lot of people, can, we can all say, well, we want we change to happen, but if we're not being the change or acting in the change or honestly driving it, how can we do that? And understand with change, there are obstacles, challenges, and distractions. But those challenges, obstacles, and distractions—nothing but preparation for better days, honestly. And so, getting my community to really understand that, because at first, when I first took office, I had a council member tell me that, because I came in with—I came in with my foot, my flip to the—I mean, foot, foot to the floor. I was ready. To, I, read, I was ready to move. But they wasn't ready. But the thing—the thing of the matter is, they—they—they have been sitting in the past, for over 40-some years to a community that they have not done absolutely nothing. they done nothing. Because I believe people become relaxed when those around them allow them to. So they became relaxed. And when I came into office, I didn't allow them to continue to be relaxed. I came in with a with heartfelt of grace, with a heartfelt of change in this community because, again, we don't have a lot of time to waste. And we still don't. And I had a councilman tell me that I need to go back where I come from, and it's not broke. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And like I told him, I said, I do agree with you 100%, but I disagree at the same time. Because if, we, if, we're, if we're not broke, then why, we are, why the city is like, why the city like it is right now? Nobody can answer that question. And then, I also told him as well too, I agree with you when you said it ain't broke. Um, don't fix it, but it always have room for improvement because you can improve, you can improve on every level. But honestly, that's pretty much my story, pretty much how I got where I am, uh, to being the mayor. I didn't allow what people told me to really define who I was trying to become, or I didn't allow what people told me negatively to really dis- to deter me uh, from being the mayor. Because understanding as a leader, again, everybody's coming at you. But everybody that's coming at you is a benefit to you. And so I live, I live by this quote every day. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he's standing in comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. I live in that every day. I live in that and I stand by that every day because I don't want to stand in comfort and convenience because comfort and convenience can help me grow as an individual. But challenge and controversy can. And... I, I, I just live in that then also as well, too. Um, I have a list from, from, from number from 1 to 376 of everything I want to do in my entire life before I leave. And so everything, I mean, from the, from the jobs I want, from the vehicles I want to have, from the kids, all those, I have that all on that list. Because I have that list because it reminds me of why I do what I do every day. How can I grow What can, how can I stay focused? And then also I'm in college as well. Um, I attend um, Arkansas State University Mid-South, a community college where I attend online. And um, also not only being the mayor, I have have two part-time jobs as well besides being the mayor. Um, So I'm all still doing those different things. with making a difference within my community. But I believe that in this society, we live in what's called a microwave society which we think we can put our life in the microwave on 30 seconds and we're, and we're making, we, we, we're making the, the top dollar money or we have to living in a, big, in a big house. But you know when you cook on Thanksgiving or you're cooking on Christmas, when you do those chitlins and you do the neck bones and you do those different other cookings and you put it in a crock pot and you let it simmer and what I mean by that greatness happens to those who wait for it. We have to be very patient when it comes to success. And you have to uh, make yourself uncomfortable to grow as well, too. And I grew up in a single single home with with a mother and a village of people that want the absolute best of me. Actually, people didn't really think I was gonna be really standing here right here today, which I didn't either. But what I want to do, I want to be greater, I want to be greater, and I want to make my parents proud, I want to make my community proud, but more so I want to make my parents proud. Uh, t- because I want, to leave a, I want to leave a legacy that a guy that, a guy, a legacy that, a man that couldn't accept no finance. That's what I wanna leave. And so I told my mom that, and my mom always thought I wanted to be at the Arkansas State Troop, but she still think I'm gonna do that today. But I'm in a different role, which I still wanna do that, but that's another time. But I'm just very grateful to be in a position, not only to be the mayor, but also bridge the gap between this uh, generation of leaders and the next generation of leaders within our community because this generation is what's going to save community um leaders in community is not going to save community we are as people that that are from our community is going to go back and invest and i wanted to stay at home first i wanted to stay at home and be in college but really what drove me here was i pretty much get tired of people graduating in my community to go be great somewhere else. But then when they come back home, they, come, they complain more so than people that stay there. But they're not being a part of the change or they're not making the investments that we're, we're trying to make in our community. Because some of the people that are from Earl, Arkansas, pretty much are doctors, lawyers, they're, they're, in, they're, they're in these, they have their degrees, but nobody has yet came back and really to invest in the community because they feel like it's not a need there, and it's not money. A lot of of times, to get to the top, you have to go down first, then go back up. And a lot of people don't understand that, and now they're understanding that, because when I took office, three alumni came back home to start teaching in the school district. Because I said was, how can we save our community when our own people don't come back and invest in it? And only three have came back yet, I mean now, to really start doing that, uh, making that legacy that they came back and then go off to be somewhere else. I'm not saying that you can come back home and stay there forever, no, 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 no. But what you can do, you can stay there for a shorter period of time to invest at home and then go to be even greater somewhere else. But I'm kind of finished there. I don't really believe in talking a long time. Uh, I just believe really this saying the facts of what happened and and that's it, and I can take questions now.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing your experience, Mayor Smith. Um, my question is, as a, in your professional life, how does your day-to-day look like? Like what people do you interact with the most, like you work with the most? Do you have meetings mostly,
2: or is it like working on the computer in your office? Do you have an office? Like, I'm just interested in your everyday life as a mayor. Great question. So, my day consists of, which I had dinner last night, (laughs) um, and so my day pretty much starts at 5.30 a.m., and my day doesn't end until 12 midnight, and that's seven days a week. And so, I spend 50% in my office and 50% out of my office, and so... 50% 50% of the time, I'm in meetings all the time. Um, when I get to my office at 6 a.m., this is my first meeting, begin all the way to about 12 noon, uh, go, I would go over. And then the other 50% of the time, I'm going to like speaking engagements, speaking with people in the community, interacting, I'm doing different engagements. Or if I'm not doing those things, I'm pretty much out of town somewhere on businesses or at conferences. Um, So my day pretty much, it it all depends what it is, but my normal day is from 5.30 a.m. to 12 midnight, and that's every day.
0: Uh, Thank you so much for your talk, Mr. Mayor. Um, Have you seen a response from other young people in your community, other, you know, uh, maybe kids who haven't, aren't able to vote yet but are taking up leadership in other, like at their school or other parts of their community since
2: you've uh, gotten elected? Yes, sir. Mostly in our elementary school, um, our elementary school was um, kind of, the discipline was really very bad. And since I've been going in the district, I mean the schools two to three times out of, of a week, of each week to really kind of understand and teach them and talk with them about what they really want to do. Because younger kids, like I was, because it reminded me of when I was a younger kid and I had those dreams and those aspirations of I want to be an Arkansas State Police and then how can I maintain what I'm trying to do? And really, and honestly, and getting them to understand that it is a pathway and sticking to that pathway because the dream you want to see, what you're doing now will reflect when you get older. And so now it's, yeah, they're taking leadership skills. I mean, trying to get involved in the organization. Also, we're trying to implement things outside the community for them to maintain and keep those leadership skills, I mean, leadership positions as well, too.
3: Hi, oh, hey, I'm Dia. Um, I kind of got a lot of questions, so I'm just gonna do okay. three, and then you can just answer whichever ones you wanna answer. I was, I wanna know about your um, self-care, uh, 5 a.m. to 12 and hobbies, um, I'm just recalling when I was 18 <laughs> and our schedules were quite different. So I was just wondering like, you know, what do you do for fun, you know, your friend circle? And then also forgive me for not using Google, but can you share some about your town, your, uh, your city? Um, why, why do you wanna be, a, well, you did say why you wanna be a bear there, but like, if you can just share a little bit about the people in the community, like what makes it great? Okay. I oh, one too. Not bad.
2: So I start from the last question. I work my way to the front. Um, what makes our community Earl is a community of 2,000 population. We are 3.25 square miles. Earl is surrounded by a lot of farmland where they grow crops beans and cotton. And people the, the demographic is 80 percent black and 20 percent white. And the, greater, the, the greatness about Earl is Earl is full of talent. Like We have a lot of people that can from singing, from drumming, from sports, to art, to music. The whole nine yards, we have that in Earl. But what makes us so unique is that we all unite together. Like, we all come together. We may not agree all the time, but when some happen, Earl come together as a one community, and we put our differences to the side, and we really help change community. And I think that's really what, what's so unique about Earl. Um, and then self-care. And so, pretty much, uh, for fun, I just work uh, for fun. Um, if I'm not working, I'm sleeping. Um, but pretty much, like, what I do, I have one, I'm, I don't consider it a down day, but what I do, like, on Wednesday, pretty much, is, like, to really clear my head, I go, by, I sit, I go sit by uh, the river. Uh, I sit by some water and really clear my mind and really just really start to think and then like I I, I have fun when I'm out of town um, but pretty much since I've um took an office I really I haven't had a vacation yet which I'm having that in March and so I have enjoy I enjoy some time there but I believe that all that time will come at a later date but what I do I don't I'll say work work all the time well I do do that but hey But I believe that that time of uh, relaxation, which I do do that, but like as far as having fun and enjoying the moment, that time will come. I don't pretty much have friends. Um, I have a select people, um, select people I talk with, but I don't really hang out as much. Um, But I do believe in really having friends. But the reason why I say I don't have as many because understanding that for me, friends don't get me to destiny and my enemies do, if that makes sense. My enemies is what get me to destiny. My friends don't. Hmm?
1: Hi,
0: Um, I was wondering um, what are the projects that you think are the most important ones for transforming your community for the better?
2: That's a great one. So projects I think important, number one, public safety, economic development and infrastructure in education. And so when you're trying to transform a community, you're looking at old habits and old practices. Old habits and old practices will not open a new door. So really getting your people to, okay, getting people to understand if I want a new business or if I want a new house or home, this new things, I have to get rid of my old habits and my old practices and incorporate something new. Because when people, when, you, when people, are are coming to your community, look at three different things. Number one is public safety, your educational system, and the cleanliness of your city. That's it. And so our public safety is there, and our our economic, I mean not economic, but our schools are there, but our cleanliness is not there yet. But we will get there. And I'm very confident that we're were, we're doing that, because we've been having conversations with an industry. And so when I had the conversation, the guy told me, he said, I want to be honest with you. I said, I'd rather for you to be honest with me. And he said, he said, you're not prepared, but he said, you're, he said, you're working, but you don't even know that you're, you're getting yourself prepared. And I'm like, before he said that, I was like, how can I get, get prepared? He said, you're already getting yourself prepared by cleaning your city up. And so, like different things, different feedback, like that. Too, it's great to know, because if you don't know the things that will take you to, to bridge community and to change community, you will you'll, you'll forever stay in the back, but also council members can hinder that as well too. You know, uh, because some, some mayor, which I, no, I didn't do this when I first took office. Every business that really attempted to come to the seat of Ur, I took it before see the see council members. But my council members deterred the people from coming to the community because they asked them all type of questions that wasn't ir- ir- really, re- ir- I mean, really re- relevant. Like, you don't ever ask a businessman um, how much money do he has to really start his business. We don't, I mean, that's not something we want to know. The only thing we would like to know is, you want to come in our community, what can we do to assist you? Because with building, with, with building community, tax dollars are more important. And so taxes really, taxes is what change and really help build community as well too.
3: Hi, um, thank you so much for coming. Um, I was wondering where you see your career going in the next five years.
2: Great question. So <clears throat> I have already planned it. So my plan is to be the mayor two terms. That's eight years. And then after being the mayor, I plan is to run for U.S. Senate, probably. I'm not sure how many years yet, but I'm looking towards eight. And then after that, my plan is to be the governor of the state of Arkansas and try term out. And then after that, my plan is to run for the president of the United States and tie term out. And then after that, my plan is to go back to my community and continue to do the work to really to
1: bridge community. Yeah. Thank you. Sir. Hi. Uh, what type of city council do you have, and, and what is the makeup of it, uh, age-wise, and gender makeup, and how would you describe your relationship with your city council? <laughs> Great question.
2: So, majority of my city council members are older. Uh, most of them majority black, one white and we have one young person on the city council which he's 23 years old which he's running for state representative as of right now and my relationship with city council members i can say they're okay i'm not going to say they're concrete concrete because i don't play alone and get along and i really call out really what i feel that people in the community really want to see so I have some council members that are afraid for change to happen because they believe that people are, gonna, are really going to take their seat. But really, when you're doing change, you really have more, I mean, more respect for people because the people want to see change. And really, with my council members, they never had a mayor to come in that's really pushing the drive for change. And it's like, when you've been stuck for 40 years in the same spot and you don't want to change, that question is, why should I change now? But the thing is, it's not about us as leaders. It's about the people that we serve and understanding that I can be stuck for 40 years, but I'm hindering my people and my community. But our relationships are, they either getting better. Like my city councilors don't call me for nothing because if they do call me, they know I don't entertain what craziness they have to say because they haven't done anything to really change or help me move the community forward. But what I can say is, I challenge them every day to put things on them. Like I've came, I came, I spent more time in the office changing ordinances that have never been changed since the city has been established since 1905. And they're pretty much intimidated because I came in doing that, but in order to really see the change of your community, you have to do things like that. And I was kind of offended because I'm spending more time doing that when well, I can be spending more time really driving and changing the community, but in order for the change to happen, you have to really update ordinances and start finding people in the community. Hi, um, my name is Jack
0: and I actually heard about you like about a year ago and I was like, and it's kind of, it's cool to be able to see you in person, but like my main two questions are, so I'm from like a red state in the south, I'm from North Carolina, like, I'm, like, like Arkansas, like, there's a big, like, gerrymandering problem. And also, like, a lot of the state legislature is controlled by, like, people who are over, like, the age of 60 or 50. And it, it's a little discouraging, almost, because it's, like, when your state legislature is run by people who are 10 years younger than your grandma, it's, it's like, it's hard to, to um, kind of have faith in that. And also, like, like, the state I grew up in, North Carolina, in 2012, we had, like, we're still leaning towards Republicans for the majority, but we had three Democratic congressional districts and nine Republican congressional districts. And now we're a little more balanced, but I'm just like, I was wondering, are you concerned about, like, kind of the future of, like, the House in uh, the House of Representatives in, like, the United States, sort of, in terms of, like, gerrymandering as far as, like, states like Arkansas or North Carolina go? If that makes sense.
2: Most definitely. I'm very, I'm very concerned. Um. Politics is not politics anymore. Um, in Arkansas we're a predominantly red state. And so I I say this in a lot of my speeches that I, that I I give and I talk, that our leaders like pretty much in red states and also in in White House as well too, our focus is really not our state we serve, if that makes sense. We tend to spend more money somewhere else versus spending it within our state to really bridge the gap and save community. And we have a lot of leaders, again, that, that have been serving in offices, but they're comfortable. So like, I have all read U.S. Senators, I mean, Congress members, pretty much on the federal level. They are pretty much read. but their focus is really not the Arkansas. Their focus is trees in Florida. And we have the, we have the most porous infrastructure that, that you can have in the state of Arkansas, we do have. And it's this, this the same way with people that's in the House or in the Senate. Our focus is really not where we serve. It's somewhere else. But how can we change that trajectory? And a lot of times, people, people are, get tired of voting well. It's really getting to a point where it's a struggle to get people out to vote because a lot of people are often tired of seeing the same thing. We let people do a job, and they're just sitting there comfortable, comfortable. But they, they continue to come up with it, all these excuses of what they're going to do and what they're working on. But how can you really help change, help change the people and community? Now, with the state, the, the state level, House and Senate, they have all that money coming from the federal government and so they delegate where the money goes and, and different things like that but in the state of arkansas our state representative seats is two years and the senators seats are four years but they're too busy talking about something that really like the governor passed the learner's act in arkansas which is basically trying she's attempting to turn all her public schools into private schools but I disagree with that, because everybody should have the right to have a free education. I don't believe people should have to pay to go to school or get educated. That's something the state should provide. And they're doing that in Florida, where they're turning all their their publics into private schools. And so I actually have a school district that's in state control right now, that they're attempting. And they attempted to turn it into a private school. But I couldn't allow, cause my people within Earl cannot afford private school, and the state is the state only pay a percentage, but the parents have to come up with the other half. Like the state minimum wage is eleven dollars. Like starting pay, like the minimum wage is eleven dollars, and the total income is thirty-one thousand dollars a year. But if you do eleven and you do all that math, that won't even add up to thirty-one thousand dollars. So it's like. You're under. You're undercutting really the people in those states, but really it really take more people really getting involved, really to understand that, because people, if you ask them, people will only tell you what you what they want you to hear, and not the actual facts. And so, it's gonna take. I'm not gonna say it's gonna take some time to change. Um, change our states, really. I just believe it's, it's really the young people, really is what's gonna change our trajectory. Really, this is what this is what's gonna change our entire states, because we need people in offices that or in position that really put people first and not ourselves. That's what we really need in office. I don't, Cause like my office I'm serving in, I don't care, it's, it, it's not even about me. It's about the people I serve to getting them to reach their full potential and their full benefit that they need. Now a lot of people tend to run for office at the local level you can get a lot done at the local level versus you can at the state level and the federal level. But it's good to have people in those positions because you can delegate that money to, to states. Then also in real states as well, they hold on to the money. I'm gonna tell you about Arkansas. So Arkansas, we have a part of Arkansas called the Delta and we have a Northwest part of Arkansas. So Northwest part of Arkansas get all the money and the Delta of Arkansas is struggling to survive. Northwest gets every dollar, and the Delta part is struggling to survive. If you come in Arkansas from Fayetteville, Fort Smith, that's the most beautiful place, the most beautiful spot in the part of the state. But if you come towards the Mississippi River in Memphis, and you come to West Memphis, you come to Earl, all those places, you're like, where I come? Why I come to? It's a straight circus because all that money, which it also, it's also take money to save money too, but all of that money. Goes to like the, all the, like the uh, Northwest Park, because all of them down there are Republicans. And our, plus, our governor's Republican too, but that's just what we're, what we're living in. But we really want to move into a time where it's really not about these parties, it's about who can serve the people.
1: Um, uh, you spoke on this yesterday when I talked to you, but uh, I kind of just for everybody else to hear, I know you speak about um, your enemies sharpening you and people who are negative, sharpening you, making you better. How long did it take for you to realize that and understand that? And um, especially as a young person, it's really hard for you to understand that sometimes and you get lost in it. When did you have the epiphany or that moment where you were like, these negative people are going to make me better, so I got to take positive out of a negative situation? Great question.
2: So coming uh, with having mentors and then not only having mentors but having Um, I had a principal. They gave me the blues for three years. I was stressed, everything. And so her and my mentor really helped me understand my enemy's part. And at the time I was going through with her, I really didn't know really what I was really going through because I wanted to give up and I wanted to really, I, I, I wanted to walk away. So I did have a lot of darkness days of where I did have those thoughts. But really understanding from there, um, there's really understanding from there at this thing called life that you wanna have people that really talk about you and whether it's good or bad. But understand that people that do talk about you negatively, it really kind of gets you off your butt and really kind of really motivates you really kind of to continue to, to go wrong because you wanna to try to prove people wrong that really talk negatively negative of you about that, right? You wanna to try to prove people wrong. And that's really what I wanted to do Everybody that talk negative about me, I want to prove them wrong because I'm going to say, I did it, and then they're going to say, I knew you could do it. But that's what people do. It's really, I believe it's really, it's really meant for it to happen, honestly, because it also plays a part with getting you to the next level. Because when I had, I had some coaches that taught, which y'all, some of you probably did when you was in high school, We had coaches that talked crazy to you, and all did everything and all that. But those coaches really, in reality, really was preparing you for the next step. But we don't know that until we really get to something similar. And you're gonna look back and say, well, those coaches really helped me to get me to understand that in order for me to do this, they have to really talk to me like that or do this and do that. But it's really just, really, they just saw something in you that you don't see in yourself. A lot of times, the, your enemies see that too. Your enemies see something that you don't see in yourself. So it's, it's their job to talk down on you to get it, to really get you to come out at your comfort zone and really to really get you to the next level. Really. And so that really, really what helped me all the time. Like, I have a person on my staff that talks that means that's that's very difficult. I hire them to be difficult on purpose. Because I don't want them to agree with nothing I say. Because I want them to be difficult to me. So they're they're, so they're keeping me sharp. Like as far from the clothes I wear, from how I talk, how I present myself, all of that. Which some days I still get frustrated, but it's your job to do that to me because they're, doing, they're not doing anything but preparing me for the next level.
3: Thank you for joining us here today, Mayor Smith. Um, like some of my peers, I am from the South as well. I'm from a red state, Texas. I'm less enough to be from Houston where it's mostly blue. Um, and I have a couple of observations and questions that I really wanted your advice on. One of those is that in in coming and getting an education out of state and going back, you really start to notice just how quickly the city is developing. And you notice how a lot of the policymakers, the educators, the people who make the most difference sort of have their feet off the ground. They're not listening anymore. And I also notice how a lot of my peers and people younger than me are very passionate about these things, but they have to make rent. They have to be able to, to buy their groceries to get by day to day. And so I'm wondering, how do you encourage your peers to be able to be active while also recognizing their means to live? And how do you work with the elders in your community to get them to come back down to the ground and really be aware of what's going on right now, not what was 10, 20 years ago?
2: I got you. So with the elders, I kind of really connect with elders a lot. Um, because really, really getting them to open up is, sometimes, like with me, I had to let them, I had to allow them to go back 10 to 12 years, like to really get their experience of how they came up. Because really, if you don't have an understanding of how our elders came up, it'll really change your mind on life. Because what you want to do is you want to prevent from what they went through to come again. And so with them, the longest, I've sat and talked with ill like five hours. And they did most of the talking, but not, but the thing was, I really had to really mentally prepare myself for that because really talking with them is really—they really know what the world is really gonna to come to. Like literally, they can tell you the exact picture of everything. But it's just really having those conversations and understanding that our elders will be will be honest. They won't be honest to the fullest, but we just really have to accept that and just continue to move. And so, like my, my elders in my community, they helped me a lot. Like seriously, with with understanding, like how can we get like my question to one elder was, why do you all be so uptight, flight like, for young people? She like because we know they're not gonna do anything. I said, but how do you know if you're not giving us a chance? She's like, okay. She's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She's like, I'm sorry. I was like, okay. And I was like, like I, I, I want to make a difference. So how can I make a difference and I have other like other elders to really you know, be unlike, be harsh on me. Because I believe that the older people are for counseling and the younger people are for war. She's like, you're right, you're right. And so really getting them to understand that their job, they, they already complete, completed their job. And so their job is now is really to help us and counsel us through the fight and through the struggle that we're trying to get through because they went through it already. And oh, what was the other part of it? Uh, I'm sorry.
3: Encouraging your peers to be involved despite what they got to go through.
2: Okay. So the encouraging piece, really defining what you want to do, like, as far as peers. So, like, if, if, I want, if you wanted to be like a, I would say, a city council member or whatever, I know that which from, which you have to, get in number one, get involved, go to churches, go to meetings, and do different things like that. And understand with city council members, they're the legislative body, so they're going to, anything that can happen in the city, they pass it. I don't think the mayor's job is just to execute it. And I understand that you're gonna have council members who get more get the more backlash than the mayor will. Because they have to really vote. And really keeping that encouragement is really go. get goals back to your enemies. Because they're really just preparing you for the next level. Like if I like for me, I know I wanna be a US senator or whatever, but I have to really find my enemies to really help me and prepare me for that next level I'm trying to go to. And understand that everything that happens is not gonna go our way. Like, it's not gonna go our way and just be more patient and honor, really, and just stay, really just stay encouraged. Because if we knew everything that happened in life, we wouldn't have no faith. So understand that, just, just trust, trust in who you believe in. Like, I, I trust, I mean, faith without works dead. I, tr- I trust all of that so much. But really, when you, when you getting in position, you just, I mean, nobody will really come down harsh on you, like it's harsh, harsh when you first take an office. But if, you do, if you're doing right, you're good. But you still want to have those people in your inner circle that really telling you, well, that's what, that wasn't a good decision that you made, whatever the case may be. And you don't have to go back and agree with them either. You just have to really agree to disagree. And I will just say, honestly, stay, really stay encouraged. Like me, it, it's, not, it's not easy as people really think, thought it would be. This job ain't, it ain't, I thought it was easy when I took office, but oh my God! Like, it's really not the people that you're really most working with, it's your colleagues. It's like your council members, those other people, because like for me, I can honestly say this. Everybody in my county are, is intimidated by me. Very. Like, they're very harsh in, in many cases, like my city council members are very intimidated I have everybody, like the county people, elected official court, state representatives, they're very intimidated because they feel like, well, I thought this guy was going to be coming in, he ain't going to say nothing. But I'm holding them accountable. And that's the intimidating piece. But I mean, if you've been doing your job a long time ago, I mean, it really wouldn't uh, do that. But when when young people get into office, people want you to be, want you to agree with them. If you go along with them, then they love you. They love you the most. But the first time you disagree with them, that's when everything, that's when everything was harsh. Because I'm gonna tell you this record right I'll be through. Like when I came into office as the mayor, the is mayor supposed to do the budget. So the mayor's over, the mayor's responsible for doing the budget for the city. No mayor in my city have done a budget in 13 years. Treasury done it. The mayor didn't do it. And so when I went to my city council and I asked them, I said, why am I not doing the budget? Well, she got it, she doing this. I said, how, how am I supposed to learn if I don't have the budget? And then I have my people, my councilroom. they complain about the spending. I said, I don't have access, so I can't, you can, I mean, you can't, you cannot complain about spending when, when, you can't, when, you can, when I cannot control the access of how much we spend on a day-to-day basis. To this day, I've been fighting that for over a year and a half to have access to what I need to know to what's going in, what's coming out. Like, and they have, they have, a, they have an entire problem with that because they still stuck in the old day. They feel like I'm young, I don't supposed, I not supposed to see social security numbers, I don't supposed to be addressing, I am supposed to see none of that, but I'm doing the hiring. So if I'm doing the hiring, why not can't do the budget? Because I see it already on the front end. Thank you again for joining us. A couple of quick questions. Um, one is, um, when you talk about sort of shaking things up, what does that actually, what does that actually mean um, in your community? Um, and then this, actually I have three questions. Um, so what, is, what does shaking things up mean? Uh, the second one is, can you share a little bit more of a couple of things that are on that list of 376 um, accomplishments that you wanna have um, and then the third one is where does education play in here? More, ed- more sort of higher
1: education.
2: Okay. So I'll start with the third one. So with higher education, it's almost a priority. Um, I mentioned uh, before that I attend Arkansas State University. Mid South is a community college, which I do college work online and in person. So I also plan to be in college probably like for the next twenty-five years, because I'm in college now for general junior education a degree, and then after that, my plan is to go criminal, criminology and criminal justice, Then after that, my plan is to go into political science, then after that, plan to go to law school and all that different type of things as far as higher education. So I've been to for a long time, as far as, as besides being on the journey I'm on, too. And then, what shaking up a community looks like is, number one, you're coming in into your community and really define what you want to do and you really start pursuing what you want to do. So when I came in, my main priority was safety. I didn't have a community. I didn't have a police department that was 24-7. And so with that, and then so when I came in, I hired some people, and I came in, and I shook up the entire city. And my, I mean, I didn't, I had, I didn't pretty much have crime then, but before me, my city was, was outrageous with crime. But when I took office, that decreased, because number one, I made my police officers work, they stopped people and they did this, they talked to people. But then after that, once I got that done, to shake it up even more, I started tearing down houses. I started calling people, I started putting a lien on people's property. I started condemning them. And we started doing the, um, that's another process. Um, what is it? But basically, putting a lien on their property because you can put a lien on people's property and they, they get real scared because you can really take that property from them if they're not maintaining it. And so that was another shake-up. Then the last shake-up was with my city council members. Like, I was wanting to do all of these commissions and the committees, but I'm not, I, couldn't get even, I couldn't even get my city council members to even do that. But the people wanted it, and so what I did, was I just assigned every council member to a committee. Because I asked them, but they didn't give me any response, so I just, I just gave it to them. And to this day, right now, they still didn't do what I what asked them to do. And so, like with city council members, I just informed them, but I still do what I need to do to make sure the city's moving, and shaking it up, and it's, I promise you, I've been shaking it up. And I promise you, a lot, and they really don't like it because they want to move slow. Like they, they continue, they, they ask all the time when we come me, why are you moving so fast? I thought we've been moving slow for the last forty years. So what's what is the, what's the purpose of us continuing to move slow? They want to, they want peace, 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 peace by peace. And did I answer? I, think I missed one question, then I? OK. So on that list is um, pretty much the jobs I want to have, which, number one, be the mayor, the governor, the president, which I mentioned that to you, and also, I want to own my own front of home business. I want to own my own doctor's office, own law firm, um, my own hospital. I want, to have, I want to have a house on a total of 100 acres of land with a big truck company. Um, a hotshot trucking company and a big house um, that probably cost about uh, $2.5 million. So, all, that, all of that is on that list, and plus, the, for, come for what cars I want to have. So, with, see all those fancy cars, like I like Mercedes Benz, Lexus, and all those things, um, Kia's, what else I have on that list? Um, for like far suits as well, like the color suits I want and all the nice suits I got. Uh, and uh, there's a lot more on that list too. And like also the, the places I want to travel to, like Paris, Europe, South Africa, um, Canada, uh, all the states I want to travel to, all of that's on that list as well too. Yeah, no problem. Uh, what was my question? Oh
3: yes, um, so you're, talking about a lot of, I'm hearing you talking about taxes, I'm hearing you talking about infrastructure, about ordinances, about budgets, so you know, none of these things were things that I concerned myself with as a high school student. <laughs> um, so where, you know, in what areas did you feel like you had to really skill up in when you became mayor, and how did you do that?
2: That's a great question. So any role, any role I get into new, I listen to the people that's been there two weeks. That's it. I listened to them two weeks, and with being involved in student government, we did we did budgets, we did we created laws, we created policy, and we're getting into city government. And I had a lady that was really, which is my she was my city clerk treasurer, and so I, li- I listened to her for two weeks. My last week, she took more advantage of me and tried to get things done for her private agenda. And I'm like, no. And then I really had to think to myself: I really got to take control. And when I took control, um, I started learning about different ordinances, our policy, um, looking at numbers. And what I told her was, I'm not good at numbers. I said, but I know when something's not right. I said, so don't be offended when I come back and I ask you questions about numbers. And I'm a guy, I asked over 1,000 questions. In high school, my last year of high school, I sent my superintendent over 250 emails. And with her, I'm almost about that, at that. I'm over that number. But I, I like to ask questions to have an understanding and have clarity on what we're doing. Now, most of the responses is we've been doing this for so many years and so we're gonna leave it like this. So why would we continue to do the old stuff when we can decrease old and increase new? And she had a problem with that. And We fell out. I ain't gonna say we fell out. We had a disagreement and the disagreement happened over like an entire year. And so, like, I didn't, I didn't know that, honestly, that she, was, she was honestly backstabbing me and different things like that. And so I had to really open my eyes to really find out different things I need to know myself. Because that's when I wanted, wanted access to all my numbers and really find out what I need to know as a, as a mayor. Because, I mean, mayors, like for small city mayors, we're doing everything. We, we're old women, we're trying to maintain a budget. We're trying to find grants. We go, we try to maintain conferences, which we have to play as I see the attorney sometimes. We have to play as our police chief, our fire chief, our water manager, we'll do all those sometime. And so, and then plus on, on top of that, more things. So we have to really create, try to create programs for our youth, attend city council meetings, all of these meetings on top of, of, of the other stuff. And so like if you go to a bigger city, they have all the staff that really do that for them, so they're really not tied up. But as far as city, small community mayors, we're, we're handling everything. And so I have people in position, but I didn't trust those people that I had in position. So I had to get rid of those people and I hire more people in, in the positions. And I'm still on 50% of not trusting them either because you don't want to put so much trust in people um, that, you, that they believe, that you believe everything they say. You want to have some kind of no trust somewhere to really, un, to really help each other grow. Because I believe as coworkers, you're not supposed to agree all the time on what, they need to be agreed on. You can have some, you can have some differences, but it's not, it's not doing anything but making your relationship stronger. And so she didn't realize that, and that's really what was happening. Like when, I, when, we, when we was in a disagreement, it was not doing anything but making our relationship as stronger as it is, make it more stronger. Like, because our relationship was weak, so it was just really building in those phases, in those phases, but she thought I was just trying to intimidate her or take her character or challenge her experience, which I wasn't trying to do that. But you have a person that, that that knows everything. Like we have a city. Like we're in a crisis right now. That we have one person know it, that knows the ins and out and about the entire city. Only one person. Like if anything, to the, if anything would happen to that person, our city would be stopped. We wouldn't know what to do because only one person knows everything. And then we take to the city council members. They they want to continue to defend a person that's been there 13 years. And like I told them, you could be in a position for 13 or 40 some years, but somebody else can come in that position and do it better than what you did in 13 or 40 years. And they, but honestly, yeah, I, um, really just doing that, uh, that's when I really took ownership, after those two weeks I took office, to really learn. Because I like to know a lot. Like, that's why I stay so, I ain't gonna say busy, but that's why I stay so tied up a lot, because I like to, I wanna, I wanna power so much knowledge in this head that I can't, that I can't afford to power no more in it. We have time for one more question, and oh, you get it. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor
0: Smith. Um, I have two questions. The first is What has your experience been working with colleagues or holding uh, power over people who may be older than you or have more experience? And the second is your opinion on
2: the voting age, um, if it should be lowered or if, it, if you think it has a barrier? Okay. First, the first question I would say amazing. I would say amazing, even though my council members and I are having challenges. But it's not, again, it's not doing anything but making us a, strong, a stronger body. And, I, and I, again, I, I, stand, I stand in challenging controversy every day. And so any challenge or obstacle that we face, I love it so much because it's, it's just really teaching us a lesson to really help us all level up to the next level. So I would say my experience has been no, uh, phenomenal. And I don't take anything back that could have happened. I'm glad it did happen. The way it's happening right now, and with the voting um, age, like what you can do as far as voting, um, you if you're if you're turning, like how do they put it? So like if you're if you won't be 18 until like I'll say November one or something, you can actually actually register at 17, and by you have to make sure that you're 18 by the by the voting. But I do agree. Uh, voting, you can, you can go down 17, or whatever, but, but you also can register early to also be on the ballot for the next election. But the thing is, how can we get more young people really um, really registered to vote, and how can we really understand and get them to the polls to really vote and have an understanding of who they vote voting for before they make the vote? Because honestly, we're, I believe, I don't know, I don't know, but I believe that this voter turnout is not going to be as big as it was in the previous years. Especially, I believe, especially the presidential election. I don't believe it's gonna be a lot of people voting for president. But it's very important that we have everybody to vote to really understand that voting really is our voices. Voting is the power of us. Because honestly, the president's working for us. He's not working for himself. He works for us as a people. And really, going to vote, I could really say a lot about voting. But I know I was when I voted, uh, like my first time voting. I was I was I was happy because I voted for myself. Uh, Really, but it just worries it it worries me about like the next next voting this voting cycle, because who can I really vote for that's really that's really going to make a difference and save community and also provide more opportunities and help people to the next level and live the best quality of life. And that's like a hard decision to make because every politician, a politician will tell you what they want you to hear, but will not tell you the facts. But I believe in telling people the facts because you want to, you would rather, I would rather tell people, people honestly to help educate and prepare them versus I'm telling them something that don't even really matter. I'm going around to Arkansas then hitting Mississippi and them back to, I didn't really ask the question, you know. So we need more people, we need just really, to, just really understand who we vote and vote, we make that vote. And I, I, I honestly agree, you can not make it a lawyer. I mean, lower, if we really wanted to, we could. But we, when we do that, will we have more voter turnout in these polls? Very good, and on that yeah. we must conclude. Thank you, Mayor Thank Smith, you. for being
1: here. Thank you <laughs>